It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. You are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now, JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a busy day in the Raider Nation. Still free agency. With T-Mobile hosting the Sweet 16. Are you kidding me? We just need to get some pool weather, Bobby. We got to get some weather here, man. Got to get some weather rolling here. Uh, JT with you. Excited to be here today. As I just tweeted out, it's Pro Football Hall of Fame head coach Tom Flores' birthday. Enough said. Enough said. Coach Flores has been a big part of my career. I can tell you uh, that gentleman has done a lot for me. Uh, not only is he a legendary member of the Raiders as its first quarterback, as a two-time Super Bowl head coach, on top of the fact that he was an analyst on Raiders Radio for many years, a mentor and a friend. I had the uh, privilege of emceeing his Hall of Fame party in Canton, Ohio. It was one of the high moments of my life, not my career. So I owe a lot to Tom Flores today. If you're a Raider fan, good day to wish Coach Flores a happy birthday. Pro Football Hall of Fame did. The Raider organization did. You should today, too, on Twitter. Uh, hashtag Tom Flores, or do whatever you want. Just say something nice about Coach. We had a great show with Freddie Bolitnikoff. I just saw Coach Flores when Mark Davis was honored by the Adelson family. That was special, the Adelson School, and Coach Flores was there about a week ago, a little over a week ago at Wynn. It was with his wife, Barbara, his son. When he walked in, uh, came in in a wheelchair into the room, I was like, man, this is going to be a big night. Jim Otto's here. Coach Flores is here. And to see Tom Flores in public and to get a chance to say hello to that man means everything to my wife and I. So happy birthday to head coach Tom Flores today, a big part of Raider history. You could not tell the story of the NFL without Tom Flores. I get kind of emotional that they made him wait so long. You know, I just looked at a picture that I tweeted out with him in a wheelchair on his birthday, and I said to myself, you know, he could have been a Hall of Famer for 20-plus years. 20-plus, 25 years, he should have been uh, traveling the world with a gold jacket. But they made him wait, and he got in. And I think we should just celebrate that. He's in, he's in, he's in. Tom Flores, long overdue, the Hall of Famer. So early day today, I got up early here on the mean streets of Summerlin, as Ed Graney would say, and I drove to Henderson, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, to host the Raiders' roundtable with Q Myers and Lincoln Kennedy. And it's going to be uh, dropping here within the hour. And I was happy with it today. We covered everything in free agency. Everything in free agency we covered today. It'll be the freshest podcast from inside the Raiders on everything that they've done. We went through the players that they retained, the players that left, the players that they added on both offense and defense. We spent a lot of time on Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo and what he brings to this organization which I'm pretty excited about. I think Garoppolo is a winner. He's in the prime of his career. He's 100% healthy. He knows the system, and he's got a lot of weapons. Okay, you could say that the Niners were a little bit better on offense, 
much better on defense, but Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play defense. His defense gave him the opportunity to win a lot more games than Derek Carr had with the Raiders because the defense for the 49ers was pretty good. And Jimmy Garoppolo got some turnovers from the defense and some short fields and some points off that defense, which hopefully he can get from the Raiders if the Raiders can continue to add players on defense. And it's pretty obvious that they're going to go and do that via the draft. But with all the Jimmy Garoppolo, we put up all the stats, his winning percentage, yards per pass, yards per perception, everything. Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, is an upgrade from Derek Carr. But again, Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing with the level of team that he played at when he won two Super Bowls as a backup, and he got a chance to play a little bit with New England and what he was able to do in San Francisco. So is he going to be able to win as many games at that percentage that he did? It would take a lot for him to do that. But I just believe his presence in the pocket, in the organization, in the locker room, in the facility is going to mean a lot. Derek was a really good player for this organization. Jimmy Garoppolo has won four playoff games and led his team to a Super Bowl. And kind of could have won two Super Bowls if he got a break or two. So Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback. We did a deep dive on all that. Also, they added Jacoby Myers, which I believe is the prize piece of this offseason for the Raiders. Obviously, Garoppolo's the more important piece because he's the quarterback. But Jacoby Myers was mandatory because of the loss of Darren Waller. And bringing in Jacoby Myers and him as a number two, I think he has a chance to be a top 10, top 10 number two, two uh, receiver in the league. So I'm not going to say he's going to be the best number two, but they don't need They have the best number one in Devontae. If Jacoby can come in and be a top five or top 10 number two wide receiver, the Raiders are loaded. They'll have Jimmy G, Devontae, and Jacoby Myers. So I get paid to have an opinion. I don't like everything on this roster now at all. I love Jacoby Myers as an addition to this team. Love it. Because I think he has the ability to be an elite player in this league or borderline elite player. You're never going to take the targets away from Devontae, nor should you. But you can eat up some of those targets that Waller would have got, and Jacoby Myers is going to have to do that. Philip Dorsett should make the team as a speed-wide receiver on the outside. Why'd they bring him in? He's a former Patriot. I don't have a problem with former Patriots. Some of you do. It's childish. Like we're in a sandbox and we're six years old and mom turned away and we're all throwing sand at each other. It's like you don't want to have a Niner or a Patriot on the team? Who would you like me to bring in here for you? Jaguars? Who do you want? Former Jaguars and Texans? We got a few of those too. You, you got guys who know the system and they're going to be up to speed. You're not going to hear anybody or me say, man, it's going to take time for Jacoby Myers to figure out this offense. Hell no. He better know this offense, and he better be playing week one, and he better have a double team on him at times because he's having a big game. Philip Dorsett, look, I'm not into the 6-7 wide receiver. I think Dorsett is going to bring the guy in. They bring on third and long, second and long, who can stretch the field for Jimmy G. This Cam Sims guy is interesting. Comes in from the Washington Commanders. Oh, my God. He's like 6'5", 224 pounds. He looks like he could be special. Now, again, he didn't play for a great offense with the Washington Commanders, with Taylor Heineke, but he played a lot of plays on special teams as pretty good. So he replaces, I think, a pretty good player that moved on in Mac Collins. He replaces him. But, man, everything that I've reached out to and all the video I've seen of Cam Sims, who they brought in yesterday, man, this guy is a beast. He looks like Tarzan. He can't play like Jane. Big term in football. This guy has got to put maybe 10 more pounds on him, and he looks like Waller to me. 
Now, he's not going to beat Darren Waller. I'm not making that comparison when Waller had 100 receptions. But I like what this kid looks like and his ability here. And then uh, to bring in O.J. Howard yesterday, I think it's a nice pickup. I don't think they're done at tight end. They might bring in another tight end tomorrow or bring one in via the draft. But O.J. Howard won a national championship, and he won a Super Bowl. He's big. He's healthy. He can stretch the field. He can block a bit. You know, they only brought him in because they believe he fits the system. We'll see what happens there. So those are the added players that they brought in. The Raiders retained Josh Jacobs on a $10.1 million franchise tag. Amir Abdullah, you know, Horstead stays at tight end here. But then I want to dive into what I think is really interesting in this offseason. The Raiders retain Brandon Parker, who I've spent a lot of time with in this offseason. He's available from the alumni. He's completely healthy coming off his injury to play tackle. Jermaine Illuminor, who believes he could play with Colt Miller and be a bookend. And we know they have Thayer Mumford. So as of today, and this could change, it should change, the Raiders have a rotation at tackle. They got Colt Miller on the left and a bunch of guys, as Raider Mort would say, his favorite term. They're a bunch of guys they got at right tackle. Now, if the Raiders are able to get a better right tackle, which I hope they did last year and they didn't, right? They went in, they got rid of Leatherwood, who was kind of a bust, and we wished him well. The Raiders, as of now, have this rotation on the offensive line with tackle and a bunch of offensive linemen that I believe at this time are serviceable serviceable. Colt Miller could be a Pro Bowler. And by the way, it'd be nice if he got to the Pro Bowl this year. He's a very good player. It's time to take the next step. And then we know what they're going to do with Dylan Parham. They're going to start him. And as of today, Andre James is going to start. So they have three of their offensive linemen presumably set. And the other two, they got six or seven guys who can rotate in and do that. But do you want a bunch of guys rotating in? Or do you want to have a right tackle who's just a lean, mean, fighting machine and could be one of the best out there? That is, to me, a question mark. But they got Mumford, they got Illuminor, and they got Brandon Parker. We've seen these guys play. We've seen their highs and lows. I think they're all pretty good, but I wouldn't consider them elite. Jakob Johnson, I think, is a very good fullback, period. I just think he can play when you, when you bring him in to block for Josh Jacobs. That's going to be great. But I want to spend a few minutes on Hunter Renfro. A lot of fans have come up to me asking me, am I surprised Hunter's here? No, I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. But I do believe that Hunter Renfro has got to elevate his game and stay healthy. Is there a chance that Hunter Renfro could be traded? Absolutely. Could it happen before the draft? Absolutely. But I'm going to assume that he's going to stay here for now. Because I'm doing a radio show today. It's not April. And as of today, to have Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers and Jimmy Garoppolo, and Josh Jacobs, and Devontae Adams, damn, that's good. That is really good in this league, period. You cannot overlook this now, man. Getting Jimmy Garoppolo compared to what the Raiders could have had after letting go Derek Carr, Tom Brady retiring, I think the Raiders were close to maybe having a real big emergency at the quarterback situation. Jimmy Garoppolo is much better than Jared Stidham or any of these other quarterbacks who are out there. And I like Baker Mayfield. I, I remember I was the only guy that would have said, you bring Baker here, I could live with that. But Jimmy Garoppolo is clearly better. So with the entire offense that the Raiders have, they might get another tight end in the draft. I don't think they need to bring in a lot more wide receivers. I mean, how many more receivers do we need here? With everybody that they've signed and they have on the roster who are all pretty good, you got an elite player in Josh Jacobs, elite in Devontae, 
Very good with Jimmy Garoppolo. O.J. Howard is decent. Hopefully they brought him here for the right reason. And Hunter bleeping Renfro's back. Okay. So you're telling me they could break the huddle at midfield with a quarterback who completely knows the offense. You don't got to get in his ear and say, check out of that play, who can do it on his own. He told me exclusively on Raider Nation Radio that he likes to control. He has. That almost broke the internet. Bunch of podcasters went crazy on that. Whoa, what did that mean? Was that a shot at Derek? It wasn't a shot at anybody. Jimmy Garoppolo's been in this offense. He knows it inside and out. So Josh McDaniels is going to give him a bigger portion of the playbook and say, here, you're at the 50, Devontae to the left, Jacoby to the left, Hunter in the slot, Dorsett out far right, single backfield with Josh Jacobs, run play action to Josh Jacobs, and these guys are going to run around with O.J. Howard doing a button hook 10 yards down the middle of the field looking like the Empire State Building. The ball will come out quicker, more accurately with Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. If Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't live up to that, he doesn't live up to that. But I think the ball's going to come out and what Jimmy Garoppolo does better than anybody Anybody in the league, because Tom Brady's retired and Aaron Rodgers is 39, Jimmy G looks off the safety. I talked to Eric Allen about this, the great Eric Allen. Jimmy G looks off the defense as good as anybody. He will look left and come back right quickly. His hips will pivot. The ball will come out perfectly, and some hopefully someone will be wide open which is what I've been living with you, telling you the secret to the Patriot way. The secret to the Patriot way, which is winning. All that is is winning way. Take out the Patriot. Just say winning way is the quarterback to be on time to the guy who's clearly open because of the play that was designed during the week. Last year, I continually said, why the hell aren't we running the plays in the game that they're running in practice? Run the play in practice 30 times until you get it right and run the exact bleeping play during the game. And I'd sit there in my seats right out the Twitch lounge and I'd look at the play clock and I'd go five, four, three, two, and the play wasn't run on time. It wasn't run correctly. You can criticize fairly the quarterback and the coach for the time of all of that. The system that was not dialed into, because I don't think they thought they had the quarterback to run it at the level of Brady or Jimmy G, and now they do. So just run the plays. Run the plays you practice every day. You got the weapons. You name one person and have them call me in the Raider Nation who needs more on offense other than a right tackle. Or maybe a guard. Who? You're not getting another rule. You got the best of the best. You got Devontae, Jacoby Myers, and Hunter Renfro today. And Josh Jacobs and Jimmy Garoppolo. What am I missing here? That offense can go toe-to-toe with every offense in the league, possibly other than Kansas City, because we just can't figure Kansas City out around here. We don't know how to guard them. We don't know where to line people up against them. And I've been led to believe that that's going to change with Patrick Graham, who's going to be back here, because he's going to get, quote-unquote, air quotes, smarter and more explosive players. I'll get to that. We got that in the podcast. So right here... That's the offense. I'm putting this away. I don't have to talk about the offense anymore. A matter of fact, I'm going on record. Other than them signing a tight end tomorrow, potentially, or someone else I don't know of, I'm done with the offense. I like this offense a lot. I really do because of the addition of Jacoby Myers. I knew 
that Darren wasn't coming back. As I said yesterday, if you missed the show, if you can't figure out why Darren Waller's not in the building, you shouldn't be calling my show. You should be calling a podcast or do something on Twitter. If you can't figure out why they removed him from the Raiders, a really good guy, great guy in the community, only wish him well. I cannot help you with that. So the rest of the offense, I like. Do I love it? No. I don't love it, but I like it a lot, enough to know that we don't have to talk about it anymore. Let's leave it alone and go balls out on the defense. Okay, got a little problem with the defense. Okay, we got Max Crosby, who's elite, and Chandler Jones, who was elite, who's still under contract and I think played better down the stretch. Andrew Billings is gone, so is Cleveland Farrell. They retain Roderick Keemer, uh, Curtis Bolton, Jerry Tillery. As the great Raider Mort would quote, they're just a bunch of guys. Can they do okay? Yeah, they could do okay. And, and, and they wouldn't have been retained if Dave Ziegler didn't think that they were worth being here. They added Marcus Epps at safety, who should start. He will start because he started for a much better team in the Eagles and played in the Super Bowl. Jordan Willis, the edge rusher who comes in, I spent a little bit of time yesterday uh, calling a Niner insider and reading a lot of tweets from other people. Niners wanted to retain him. The Niner fans liked him. He came in with a burst. He's the type of guy you can bring in on third and 11, along with Max Crosby and the edge rushers here, and he can, he can help you out here. Uh, Brandon Faison, I'm surprised he's back. And here's why I'm surprised, because I didn't think anybody who left the Raider organization was going to come back to the Raider organization under the new regime. Hint, hint. Well, I think it's because they evaluated Faison, and they think he's better. And they're only bringing him in because they saw the tape and what he did at Indy, and they said, well, he's better than we thought. Let's get him in here. And he knows. Hopefully he'll know our system. And then Robert Spillane, the linebacker who had 12 tackles in the game, uh, the Franco Harris game, when Franco Harris passed away, that might have won, won over this squad. Guy had the best game of anybody on the field, not T.J. Watt. It was Robert Spillane. They played him, and that kind of derailed the Raiders' season. So maybe they saw something there and they looked at the tape and said, you know, that guy who had the 12 tackles against us there on the Franco Harris loss, let's give him a shot. I don't know much about him. I don't. We're going to have to learn more about him and see more tape on him. And then the amount of players that are unsigned and the players they're letting go who are just not here, I guess they're just waiting for the market to go lower with Rocky Sin, Denzel Perryman. I got to check. They might have been signed or might be signed today by other teams. Uh, I think those are guys who are unsigned that they didn't pass the test. They didn't pass the test of Dave Ziegler and what he wants going forward. Oh, and then there's a new long snapper, and a lot of people are upset that Sieg isn't here anymore, which, okay, I get that. That's a decision made at the highest level of personnel. It's a long snapper. They're important. I get it, but it's not going to cave us this offseason. And then they have the best punter in the league and arguably the best kicker. So as I circle the players who I think make a difference, punter, kicker, done, quarterback, done, wide receiver, one, two, done, slot receiver, hunter, done, okay, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. I start looking around, and now as they're filling in these, this team with rotational players, you have to ask yourself, well, why didn't they spend $90 million on a defensive tackle? Or why didn't they spend $45 million on a corner? Fair question. I don't think they have the money. I know they don't have all that money with the cap the way you're looking at it as a fan because of the dead cap hits that they have. 
How about Corey Little to $10 million? Derek, $5 million on the way out, which isn't the end of the world. They got players that they still have dead cap hits on. So overall, I think the Raiders did a fair to good job bringing in rotational players who they're familiar with who are good players in this league. They're not pro bowlers who can fill out the roster. Here's the problem we have that has to be solved by Dave. He's got to go out and load up in the draft. So I can tell you from being in the building today that the focus and foundation of this organization going forward is the draft. I knew that already. You might not have. It's the foundation going forward. They want to draft players, develop players to their way, the Patriot way, the winning way, to make it the Las Vegas way, who they can coach up and get more out of. So the draft to me is really big. You know, if it wasn't for March Madness, March Madness is more important to me than figuring out a fourth-round draft pick. I got a couple of March Madness guests coming up here. But after being in the building today and looking at the unsigned, the departed, the retained, and the added, I think you should be pretty fortunate as a Raider fan for two things. Better be fortunate that Jimmy Garoppolo's there considering what the market was changing. I follow the stock market every day as a stockbroker. The quarterback market was beautiful blue skies. Let's dream. And and I'm at fault. I was dreaming. I wanted to go pick Aaron Rodgers up at the airport. (laughs) I wanted to help them paint Tom Brady on the side of the MGM. Once Brady and Rodgers were done and no one even budged on Lamar Jackson, and Dave Ziegler's not giving up two ones for anybody, once that happened, the only guy that was left was Jimmy G. And they got him in a unique contract. It could be a one-, two-, or three-year deal at a very fair price for a guy who wins games. And they were very fortunate to quickly get Jacoby Myers off the board quickly. Considering that because they knew Waller was going to move, they get a third-round pick for that. It's fair to say why not a second last year. Why not a second last year? They want to give him a second chance. Again, this is not a Netflix documentary. They could have got rid of Waller last year to Green Bay for a second. You want to criticize him for that? Why don't you give him credit for giving him a second chance and a third chance to come back and prove he can be on this team long term through rehab, through his timing of rehab, through his attendance and all of that, and then maybe he would have been here this year. So there's a reasoning behind all of this. You don't have to agree with all of it. I'm not in love with this defense at all, and I know that the, I don't want to take a quarterback in this draft, develop a quarterback. We need a, we need a corner in the fifth round. Who do we want to develop? Let's go get the quarterback next year. And if they want to get a quarterback in the first round, then it's going to open up my mind saying that they really like this quarterback and Jimmy G isn't long, long term here and they want to get that quarterback up and ready for the future. So there's a lot of moving parts here as we open up the show. The number is 702-365-9200. I told Bobby, one day I will come in, all nine lines will be full, and I'm going to quit. I'm going to go right into Natalie and say, I quit. I'm done because I accomplished my, that goal. Until then, I'll remind you I'm open for business at a very fast pace, 702-365-9200. The podcast is dropping here. Excited about that. Let's get to the NCAA tournament, the West Region, T-Mobile Arena. We have UCLA, Gonzaga, Connecticut, Arkansas. Wow. Connecticut's really good. At one point, they, I thought they were the best team in the country. Arkansas, friend of the show, Eric Musselman. Coming in here, Connecticut, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, 140 the total. And then Thursday, we get a big boy game, UCLA minus uh, two, total 145 on that game. That is 6.45 p.m. on Thursday. The world will be watching this game. That is the game, Gonzaga versus UCLA. 
I was at that game they played last year at T-Mobile. It was one of the more exciting times I've been in that building. I've been there for hockey, Stanley Cup, fights, and all that. This is a big boy game. So that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. This week is going to be electric here, fantastic here in Las Vegas. So that's really what I'm talking about today. Bill Krakenberger will join us, America's favorite sports gambler. He's coming up at the top of the hour. I already know it's going to be great because Crack just runs with it. He's going to tell you why you're getting crushed gambling. I bring him in like twice to you to say, Bill, why is everybody getting their ass kicked gambling? Why does why do even the people on Twitter with the blue check marks who suck and don't even win 40% of the time, how are they getting their ass kicked? He's going to tell you because he's a winner. He comes up at the top of the hour. We'll go out to the Westgate, Jeff Sherman, on the moving odds, the odds of the Raiders. The odds of the NFL and the odds of the tournament coming up here. Uh, one of my favorite play-by-play voices connected to the Bay Area, Roxy Bernstein, will join us. We'll talk to him and John Crispin from ESPN. He's also a College Hoops insider. I think that's a really good radio show. Best Bobby put it together, and it's ready to go. We want to hear from you on the Raiders off season, And quite simply this, what's the number one free agent signing that the Raiders have made other than the quarterback? So I want to I get some Raider fans who are smart and sharp. I'm asking you specifically, who's what's the number one signing other than the obvious, Jimmy Garoppolo, for the Raiders this offseason so far? They did a lot of volume. You know, I know people are freaking out and they want that first-day superstar, but Dave Ziegler had a big day yesterday. They brought in a lot of players who are probably going to make the team as roster players here, including Cam Sims and O.J. Howard. And before that, you know, a couple guys who can come in on the defensive side and help out. I really think that Epps is going to be huge and important here, along with Robert Spillane. These guys are probably designated to start, so they better be pretty good. All right, I'm at uh, talk uh, JT the Brick on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Bobby's lining up a few guests right now. Good day today to be on the radio. We need the weather to change. We got some pool parties. My son's in town. Bachelor parties. What, what's going on with this? Winter weather, man. It's like Seattle. You're right. We got a Super Bowl coming in February and March Madness forever, man. We need one of those days where it gets to 85 to 90 out of nowhere. Big day today. We thank you for listening to the flagship as we are brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. Education was very important to them, and it became very important and prominent in my life. The Sanger High School District in my hometown of Sanger, little old town Sanger, we have people from Sanger here. Long way to come from Sanger. Did you ever try to get here? This is not an easy place to get to. I've been trying for a long time to get here. <laughs> Love that line. Happy birthday, Tom Flores, as the Raiders put out legend icon hall of famer we are so lucky to have coach flores in our life so lucky to have him uh passing away today knicks legend willis reed 
just passed away. That's a big part of my youth. A little bit before my time, but my dad went to a lot of those Knicks games, and he had the, maybe the most important two points in Knicks history. A couple of titles there, Willis Reed, rest in peace. So we're talking about the Raiders and free agency. A podcast is going to drop here in about a half hour, Raiders Roundtable. Please download it. You'll be able to find it on YouTube and Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln was actually in Georgia opening up a new restaurant. Lincoln's an entrepreneur. So he did it with some birds in the background chirping, and we had a good time. And Lincoln uh, gave his opinion on Darren Waller, a couple of the players that will be brought in, uh, were brought in, especially with the offensive line needs to do here. The Raiders have serviceable offensive linemen. Serviceable. We know in this division you have to have really good ones. And how you get them, you can overpay in free agency or maybe get a good one in free agency, but they got to find a way to do it in the draft. And I think Raider fans are going to be talking about this right up into the draft. What do you do? Cornerback first, number one, best corner on the board, best D tackle on the board, or do you get a sideline-to-sideline linebacker who can plug and play and start it's got to be heavy defense. I would assume now the first five out of six players, and everybody who wants a tight end, if, if you want one of the good tight ends, you're going to have to get them early because they're going to go in the second and third round, and they're all really good. I don't think the Raiders should spend an early-round pick on an offensive player unless they want to go quarterback. Other than that, heavy on the defensive side. Uh, Terry in Vegas, start us off. You're up first on the flagship. Thanks for calling. Yeah, JT. Um we have not ever met, but we have a couple mutual friends. Uh, one runs uh, the biggest gaming company in Florida now and uh, lived here for a long time, though. And uh, yes. one runs a, uh, a nice country club tucked away in the mountains south of Denver that was also <laughs> very <laughs> Okay, very uh, nice. So, I got gotcha. you. So uh, I'm just calling to say that uh, I appreciate the work you do. You have a lot of hours of content to cover. Uh, a lot of days. Uh, some days the content makes itself in your business, I think, and other days, I think you have to make the content, and uh, I know you're always calling for uh, full phone lines and more callers and more interest here in town, and uh, the Raiders will get there. There'll be the day that uh, one player or one game or one event will kind of unite or pull more people in, uh, and, and you'll get it, I think. I'm not a big Raider fan myself, but I live close by the practice facility. I'm by there uh, mm-hmm. three four times a day. And I had a good friend who was uh, in the Broncos front office for a long time, so I had a chance to kind of learn a little bit about pro football from the inside. And I'm interested in how the Raiders run the business. So I just feel like what they've done is sensible. I, I was really hoping that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to come to my neighborhood because he seems like he's a terrible person and would just be more trouble than he's worth at his age. So uh, the way they've organized this year kind of makes sense to say, try to put a team together. That's uh, looking ahead to a year after. I, I guess my prospects for the Raiders having an amazing season this coming one aren't, I, I don't think, are real high. But the season after, if they're doing some of the things that uh, you talk about every day, uh, maybe so. And uh, I think that's when the, when the, uh, the seats will start to fill at the stadium with uh, more Raider fans, because I know that's been an issue. That'd be great. And, uh, and really pull it all together. So, again, just uh, – you know, it's a lot of long hours and tough days for you, and I think that that gets lost at times. Well, thank and, uh, you. Just appreciate what you do. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. It is not hard. It's a very easy job. Most of you guys and gals could do this. If you wanted to dedicate your life to doing sports radio and bringing in advertising and doing all this, you could all do this. I'm just blessed to be able to do it this long. And I'm not going to do it forever, I can promise you. When I find out that Willis Reed died at 80 and my dad's 84, 
Uh, I got time clicking now, and I got to go see my parents and do this, but I appreciate you listening to our content every day. And there are some days where, you know, again, we joke about the phones. Phones are usually always packed, and we have fun. I like to just light people up and get people to participate because we're living in a, a, a land now, and I got into radio 26 years ago. People would call in. Now you have networks that don't take a call in 24 hours. And you get people that leave callers on hold for 45 minutes. We don't do that here. We want everybody to participate. And we need to hear other opinions because no one's figured out yet how to give me a co-host or two. There's a lot of shows in town that got like four people talking at once. And they just won't let me do it. They want me to just do it still all by myself with Bobby chiming in once or twice a week. And you know what? <laughs> right. So someday someone's going to wake up and go, man, JT's not my favorite. He's pretty good, man. Let's give him two people to talk to. Until then, it'll be me and you. And I appreciate you listening and calling. Thor, black hole, as we have a black hole announcement coming up around the corner. How are you, Thor? You getting ready for the draft party? Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the season, JT. I'm I'm ready to go. I, I just got back. Me and my wife were on a cruise for a week, and I just got back, and, and I, I just found out about, um, I mean, I kind of heard rumblings of the Darren Waller thing and Jimmy G, but I've been hearing about all this stuff, and I'm excited. I'm excited. The team was 6-11. and 11. We need to change things up. We need to shake things up. We need to figure something out. And I'm happy. I feel like the pieces we're bringing in, though they're not huge names, um, on defense we're bringing in depth. I think we really need to build through the draft. I'm like you. I want to draft all defense, maybe an offensive lineman or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I feel like the pieces we are bringing in aren't costing a ton of money, and, 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 and they're not old. They're young. They're you know, and, and I, so I'm excited about it. I feel like there's a youth movement, um, and, and I'm ready. And I think you build through the draft. That's how you build dynasties and, and championship seasons, not, you know, not some. And I, I believe we could go deep this year. Jimmy G, he's a winner. You know what I'm saying? Say whatever you want. He went to a Super Bowl. He went to the um, NFC championship game. I, I know we're worried about injuries. Jimmy, stay healthy, man. Stay healthy. Whole team, stay healthy. But we need depth because we know that's unrealistic in the yes. NFL. Thank you, Thor. Appreciate it. And I think they added depth this week. I really did. I think that's what they've been able to do. And they have depth all over the team now. It's just a quality of how good is that depth. When you have an offensive line that has all the players that they have, the depth overall is decent. I just don't think it's Pro Bowl depth. And that's a job of the coaches and everybody to get the players up to speed and and get more out of them. That's the way the Patriots were able to do it. The Patriots had a lot of players that you don't recognize. Dante Hightower retired today, two-time national champion in college, and I think three Super Bowls or two, two or three with the Patriots, right? He's always a big-name, good-time player, but he came in. Julian Edelman's the best example I could give you. Julian Edelman had a Hall of Fame career. I don't know if he's going to get into the Hall of Fame, but he's worthy because of all of his postseason stats, just like Teddy Bruschi. You know, I, I want to see guys that could come in and play at a level that you could play at that. If Even if you're not a pro bowler, you're leading your team to the playoffs and making plays in playoff games. Uh, the concern I have is the Raiders don't have any ball hawks in their secondary. They don't intercept the ball to begin with, and the guys that they're bringing in really don't intercept the ball. So I want to see some guys come in who can make plays in the secondary. I think that's become a priority in the draft also. Greg's in California on the flagship of the Raiders. Hello, Greg. 
Hey, JT. Uh, first time caller. I listen to you all the time. Follow you on Twitter. You're one of my favorites. Thank you. Uh, appreciate, I appreciate you taking my call. Yeah, I, you know, I'm of the mind, JT, that I, I like what these, I like what the, the new regime has came in and did. I think um, sometimes the Raider Nation, you know, as a fan, you know, we get so caught up into the big splash names and making things happen right away. But we got to, you know, the fans got to realize that, you know, our the regime now got put, they came into this hole, right? This wasn't like this just happened yesterday. It's been 20 years of bad decisions that have put us in this place. And now they're putting that. I, I really give credit to Ziegler and his team for sticking to their plan, what they know to be successful, and riding out with it. I like the picks that they picked up. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of depth. I think they brought in guys who know their system, which is huge. We've seen that with uh, when we brought in uh, my boy Stiddy. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen how much look different um, just from knowing the system. So I like what we're doing, and I think we take a defender with that seventh pick. Uh, I would want Jalen Carter because I think he's falling. And we really, I think if you match him up with Chandler and Max, it's a problem on that defense. Uh, but if we don't, can't get him, I think we take Christian Gonzalez uh yeah. Oregon. I, I think we just got to stack up that deal. Yeah, I, we'll see if Carter's available again, and he's had some red flags. And I was talking about that with a good friend of mine today about Carter uh, coming in from Georgia and the problems he had with the drag racing, what happened, and people were killed, not in the car he was driving, and he didn't have a good pro day. But he's a generational talent in the middle there. And if the Raiders, if Dave Ziegler does the homework, which he's known to do, and they interview the kid, and they sit down, and they do all their due diligence, and they're comfortable going after him. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that because they're going to be putting their neck out for him to be that type of player, and he's going to have to deliver. Raiders can't afford a bust or a troublemaker or a bad player anywhere in this draft. And there's been some really good intention GMs and head coaches in the last 20 years who thought the world of a certain player, and then that player all of a sudden gets in trouble with their personal life. Well, when you're about to draft that player, you don't think that's going to happen. You're not up with that player at 3 in the morning. You're not speeding with that player in a car. The player told you a year before he'd never get in a car at 3 in the morning and speed. He'd never do this or that. It happens. It's really sad when it does. But the Raiders here are going to do their due diligence. I, I knew when I walked out of the building today and I got in my car and drove through the gates, the fundamental presence of this organization going forward is to draft. I like a lot of free agency. I like to fill needs with grown-ass men who have played in the league six, seven years, and I know what they can do. But you can only bring in a few of those guys. The rest have to be in the draft, and I think the Raiders are poised to have a big draft led by Dave Ziegler. I really do. And I think a lot of people who know the team and cover the team will say the same thing. But it's got to happen. It's got to happen, and there's going to be a lot of pressure to make it happen here over the next five, six weeks, and we'll cover it all for you. Starting in about a week... You're going to hear mock drafts, draft experts every show. But I got a little bit more March Madness and gambling to do. Two great gambling guests, Bill Krakenberger at the top of the hour. We'll go to the Westgate next. Jeff Sherman will join us, and we'll talk about the tournament odds. I was always happy in the world of football, and now because of this honor, I'll be part of it forever. Forever. Realize that? (laughs) That is incredible. Tom Flores' birthday today. We're celebrating it on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, and we're excited because the first regional will be here at T-Mobile Arena. It's a 
banner week here in Las Vegas because the NCAA tournament is here. Let's go out to the Westgate. Uh, the VP over there does an unbelievable job. Our good friend, Jeff Sherman, kind enough to join us. And, Jeff, I want to begin with that bad beat and what happened in the Zags game against TCU. You know, you see this happen all the time at your book and other books, but to see fans talking about it that long, walk us through that final play and how it affected everyone in your book. Yeah, craziness, huh? You know, it's uh, .7 seconds. They called a foul, and uh, they hit the two free throws and roll the ball down the court. So, you know, at that point, a lot of people thought they are going to be covering with Gonzaga. But then they hit the miracle three, which it's tough to see him even getting that off in .7 seconds. But they didn't review it and it counted, so you swing it the other way. Now, it, what would have meant a lot for us is with the money line. Um, it wasn't too large of a swing with the point spread, uh, not as nearly as much as if something would have switched across the money line and, uh, and TCU had won the game outright. But uh, it still was a swing for many people, especially the last game of the weekend. Uh, it was really incredible how much it's been talked about. Seeing that the number one seeds, two of them went out early, you hear about that bridge jumper bet where everybody bets on the money line, that one seed overall in the first game. And then you see a team like Princeton Advance and Florida Athletic. Walk me through some of the surprises here and some of the biggest upsets that you saw and something maybe behind the glass that you looked at and you haven't seen much in the past. Yeah, well, Florida are fairly Dickinson on the money line against Purdue. You know, they were 20 to 1, and we, we had a nice accumulation on that because people aren't out to look to bet minus $100 favorites and mm-hmm. they even shy away from doing that in parlays to some degree. So we had some liability, and that actually cost us. And so Purdue losing was not good for the book. Uh, but then overall, when you see like on Saturday, Duke and Kansas lose, uh, short favorites like that that are so popular. That's where we had our best day was on Saturday with teams like that losing. And when you look at Duke and especially Kansas coming out and Kansas affected because we're here in Vegas and those fans travel really good, those teams going out there, a lot of them are tied to parlays. Talk about what you've seen with the growth of the NCAA tournament and how much of the public is betting the parlays coming in. Well, that's just it. It's, and it's mostly the first weekend you get that. Now mm-hmm. you get on to the regional semifinals and – uh, it's mostly locals, and people don't come out as much as they nearly do the first weekend. So, you know, you, you, all you need is one or two of those popular teams like that to go down. And, you know, you're looking at your decision, and it might be, you know, marginal, but then you factor the parlays in, and that's where everyone's tied into it. So it becomes a rather large decision. And then that can build into uh, Sunday, into the, the remaining games. But, you know, fortunately, we didn't have – too much residual liability going to the last games on Sunday. The VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate in Las Vegas, Jeff Sherman, joins us. So Alabama, uh, let's talk about their short odds as they seem to be a heavy favorite as I take a look at the South Regional with the teams that are left, Creighton, Princeton, and San Diego State. They look like they're on a pretty easy course to get to the Final Four in Houston. Yeah, and we have a minus 110 to come out of the South Regional. Mm -hmm. So they're they're the only team that is odds-on favorite for the – a regional favorite, and uh, you know, uh, one of the larger point spreads too. It's the second favorite, second largest spread of the Sweet 16 behind Creighton, Princeton. You got Alabama laying seven to San Diego State. Uh, it's been extremely popular all week. We're getting a lot of money line parlays on Alabama, every which way that people can hook them up. I would assume the handle is going to get bigger and bigger for UCLA Gonzaga. We already saw them in Vegas play toe to toe. It felt like a heavyweight fight in a place that hosts fights for UFC and uh, big boxing events there. I can't wait for this game because I don't think the Zags have a lot of pressure on them. UCLA doesn't travel well globally, but they travel well to Vegas. This is a big time basketball game. 
Yeah, it's perfect with uh, the first game, Arkansas, Connecticut, and then going in against Gonzaga, UCLA. And, um, and we opened up UCLA 1 and it's up to UCLA minus 2. So initial support on the on the Bruins. Uh, but well, we expect to see some Gonzaga underdog money show up, especially when you get a small small favorite in UCLA. You get the plus 110 on the money line. So uh, we'll get tremendous handle on this game. And you know uh, tomorrow we'll get up some propositions for these games. So thinking extra people will come to town for this regional. Have the odds moved on Michigan State? Izzo going into Madison Square Garden. Tennessee's a very physical team. Kansas State, Michigan State, and there's Florida Athletic. I'm sure they have very long odds there, and a couple of fans who have bracket buster picks are still riding them. Yeah, I mean, Florida Atlantic's still sitting at 50-1 to 1 odds right now, and, uh, you know, after opening 200-1, you know, and they were much higher early in the season, but... Um, Tremendous support for them in the last game, uh, and, and they're they're a underdog darling now. And you know, initially we've seen two way action on this game against Tennessee. It's been battling between four and a half and five and a half. Some sharp play driving it up to five and a half, but. Uh, public has been playing Florida Atlantic on the money line of plus 200 in this spot. Uh, let's move on to the Midwest Regional. I pick Houston to win it all. Houston uh, has short odds here, and I like Miami a lot. I've been talking to James Laranega, the head coach there. That's going to be a really tough test. I think if Houston has one shot to lose before the national championship game with the way these brackets are busting, it will be Miami. Tell me about the spread in that game and the odds of Houston winning it all still. Yeah, we opened Houston minus seven against Miami. It still sits there, so tremendous two-way action on that one. And we're currently sitting at four to one on Houston uh, to win the title. They're second choice behind Alabama, which is plus three twenty-five. Uh, wrapping it up with Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate, the best, the sharpest sports book in the world. I say that every time when he comes on. Uh, it's been a stagnant here with Lamar Jackson not getting a qualifying offer, and especially Aaron Rodgers. And we talked to you a couple of weeks ago about the money for the Jets and how the line could move with the Jets in the AFC, and how Aaron Rodgers can retain the number if he ends up staying in Green Bay. I think Green Bay wants to move off Aaron Rodgers. How is the number moved on the Jets with Aaron Rodgers because that's hit a halt with us here on the radio. Yeah, well, they've settled in at twelve to one now, and uh, you know we had anticipated this, and the public has too been betting them, but we have that number built in as if the deal is already done and mm-hmm. going there. So it's sitting at twelve to one. Green Bay is up to fifty to one now with Love supposed to play for them, uh, and and you know I don't think you're going to see too much more movement in the Jets even when the deal becomes finalized. Twelve to one is pretty much going to be the staying price at this point. Uh, and we've inched Buffalo up as high as they've been to 9-1 to one to kind of compensate for that. And finally in the NBA with John Morant coming back here and the Lakers just trying to find their chemistry as LeBron waits to come back. And Denver's hit a little bit of a wall, and the Warriors can't win on the road. And for me, it's Milwaukee and Boston and maybe a chance for Philadelphia. Give me a line move in the NBA, one that jumps out at you. Well, I've been inching the Celtics up to 4-1 to one now, which is the highest they've been in a while from 7-2. to two. Um, but one of the bigger line moves recently off of their eight-game winning streak, which they lost last night, has been the 76ers, going from 14-1 to down to 9-1. to And it really looks like three teams in the East, which you mentioned Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia, really having a chance. The West much more wide open, where there's about seven teams you can go to out of the eight that get in the playoffs. So um, those odds have been increasing. Phoenix up to 6-1, to Denver up to 7-1. to They were both lower recently, so West much more wide open. And I'm going to sneak in the Masters because we're going to have you on in a couple of weeks. Uh, what's the shortest odds on the Masters? Where's Scheffler and always the proverbial Tiger Woods uh, odds right there? What do you got for me? Well, Scheffler's made his increase, and right now he's a co-favorite with Rom at 8-1, mm-hmm. followed by McElroy at 9-1. 
Tiger's sitting at 50 to one and getting a lot of support. He's one of our larger liabilities. And uh, I could see those odds shrinking the week of just because you always get Tiger support at long odds. Thank you, Jeff. I'll see you Friday. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. As we take a look at the odds in the NBA, the Masters, the college basketball tournament coming up here. And what he said, the Jets at 12 to 1. Oh, my God. The Jets at 12 to 1 with Aaron Rodgers. Did you hear what he said at the end? They have it booked. They're assuming Aaron Rodgers, almost a done deal to the Jets. He doesn't expect the line to move much more than that. Let's say it goes from 12 to 1 to 10 to 1. You bet the Jets to win the Super Bowl? People are going to line up at the Westgate and all these other books to do it. One player can move the number like that. It's got to be a quarterback, a Hall of Famer who has something left. That would be Aaron Rodgers. Bill Krakenberger, America's favorite sports gambler. This is going to be really good. You don't want to miss this coming up next.